This is the Remnant on the Rise podcast, and I'm your host, Sadana. The topic of this episode is how to study your Bible. We have a world-changing guest today, Dr. Chapman, and I'm going to read his bio. Dr. Aaron L. Chapman, a servant of God, is often referred to as a relevant, power-packed minister of the priceless gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. An alumnus of Murray Wright High School, Reverend Chapman graduated in the top 5%, 3% of his class. Whoa. He was accepted to Eastern Michigan University, and shortly thereafter, his academic achievement was further honored by being placed on the dean's list. In December 2003, he received a Bachelor of Science degree in communications with a minor in general business from Eastern. In January 2004, he began his pursuit for a a dual master's degree in divinity and theology at Ashland Theological Seminary, my school. In June 2006, Reverend Chapman graduated with honors from Ashland with a master's of divinity degree. In his desire to be all that God has called him to be, Dr. Aaron L. Chapman in 2011 received an earned doctoral degree from Ashland Theological Seminary. At present, Dr. Chapman serves as a professor in homiletics at Ashland Seminary and a professor of the Heritage Center in denominational studies in several other educational institutions, including Ecumenical Seminary, Grace College, Moody Theological Seminary, Manthano College, Triumph Church Institute, Michigan North Center, Ecclesiastical Jurisdiction, Bishop Sheard Presiding, and his very own Seminary on Wheels in Southfield, Michigan. He is also the author of the newly released book, Preaching Without Heart, I'm Called to Preach Now What? and Leaving Life's Envelope Empty. Dr. Aaron L. Chapman served as a faithful member of Galilee Missionary Baptist Church for 11 years, where he was called to preach the gospel under the tutelage of Reverend Dr. Tellis J. Chapman. On April 23, 2005, God called him to pastor the Dedicated to Christ Baptist Church. Dedicated to Christ held their first worship service on September 4, 2005 at 19400 Evergreen in Detroit, Michigan, in the St. Timothy Lutheran Church. Through the grace of the Lord Jesus and leadership of Dr. Aaron L. Chapman, dedicated to Christ, purchased their new home church at 4424 8th Street in E. Michigan, in October 2007. Within the ranks of the local, state, and national conventions and congresses, Dr. Chapman is the newly appointed homiletics professor of the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated, homiletics instructor for BM&E State Convention, vice president of DIMA, D-I-M-A, former Congress president for the Central District Association and sought-after homiletics conference speaker. He has received Christian education certificates (laughs) in the Holy Spirit Doctrine, Building Effective Ministries and Pastors Seminaries. Since the inception of Dedicated to Christ, Dr. Chapman has established several ministries, drama ministry, evangelism, media, music, praise ministry, nurses, operation, bread basket, operation Big Give, wow, Mm mm-hmm. Recreation, Security, Shepherd's Care, Dedicated to Christ Bookstore, DTC Cafe, Men, Women, and Youth Ministries, Dance Ministry, Stick Squad, Audio and Visual Ministry, Godly Guidance Ushers Ministry, My Bridges, DHS, Heavenly Hands Up Food Panther, Pantry, dedicated to Christ's website, dedicated to Christ's phone app, and destined for greatness childcare. For five years, he has served as the founder and leader of Dedicated to Christ's Biblical Impartation class. Dr. Aaron Chap- Chapman is married to the former Valerie K. Wilkinson, and they are proud parents of two children, Aaron Christian and Destiny K. Chapman. Wow, that's amazing. These accolades are very inspirational. Me as a seminary student, when the first time I heard you speak, I was like, wow, it's something to strive after, to be a walking book, a walking epistle, to be the light shining in this dark world 
so that people can see God's glory being revealed through his servants doing things in excellence and not being a novice like Apostle Paul speaks of. So welcome, Dr. Chapman. Thank you, Sadana. Thank you for Appreciate being here. You. Appreciate you for having me. And it's always a joy to come back and to <laughs> speak with our students and our friends, of yes. course, and to be able to continue to assist and help and to celebrate you on the journey that you have in doing ministry. And I not, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, going from the seminary and continuing it from book knowledge to being able to use it uh, in tangible ways to transform people's lives. That's awesome. Well said. I love that. Um, how to study the Bible? Because a lot of people have a, there are a lot of misconceptions out there, I would say. Oh, and yeah. And a lot of Googlers. And you can't get everything from Google. These are not always reliable sources. They might lead you to a reliable source, but then you have to do research on that source to figure out, is it really reliable? Is it really a solid foundation that you can build a sermon on? Or that you can live your life based on what you have researched Mm -hmm. because the Bible is transformative. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. So our goal as Christians is to follow Christ and to live our lives according to the word of God. But if we don't know how to properly study and we just take something and make it into what we think it is because of our perception. Mm -hmm. I think it was you in class, you said to drop yourself into the text as if you've never been there before, like you're in another country and you don't know the language, which we don't. We we speak English. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't speak Hebrew or Greek Greek. or Aramaic. Uh So that, that really changed my life because I was like, you know what? The historical cultural context and all of those things, we don't know how they lived because times have changed and they continue to evolve. Yes, yes, a- absolutely. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, it reminds me of, I believe it's Brianna Parker. She had, um, drafted a book that deals with um, what is it that we can't find out or what is it that we don't know that Google can give to us. Um mm. And then that her point that she made was that a lot of things in which the preacher or pastor uh, gives, I can just Google it. Um, Mm. And so I understand the point that she was attempting to get to, that we have to be careful in our uh, exegesis or in the way in which we interpret uh, scripture or the things that we give from the pulpit, uh, because those in the pews now don't have to go to a card catalog, right? Uh, right, or even go to a library in mm-hmm. order to find these things. But while you're engaged in preaching and teaching, uh, they can look these things up, and they might not have the holistic viewpoint of it, mm-hmm. but they can do almost what we do in presidential can you know, yeah, candidacy fact checking, mm-hmm. right? And they don't see any and all of that. Like, wouldn't that be? Uh, amazing that oh, if, yeah. after the end of a sermon, if we had fact checking and said, "Okay, what are some <laughs> of these things?" Right? Exactly. So, I believe that if you're going to study the Bible effectively, that number one, you actually read the Bible. Mm, I think yeah. it was you that said, "Read yourself full, so you can think yourself clear." Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, with that, um, I'm reading H. B. Charles is. Um, books on he has a book on preaching and that really intrigued me that mm-hmm. that so many people try to grasp from a reservoir that they have not uh, actually taken out the time to fill up you know mm-hmm. it is what I call far-reaching ministry like wow. some people try to quote you know the Bible and it's a far reach right that's why you have a lot of people that have titles but they don't have competency mm-hmm. Right. So they call me this, call me that. But you don't have the competency, you know, for it because you did not work for it. You did not labor with Mm -hmm. it, you know. And so in reading scripture and um, you'd have to just pretty much read the Bible. It's what I call the the rule of four or the law of four. And Mm -hmm. that is to read four chapters of the Bible a day. Anyone should be able to do that no matter what your educational right level is is that if i read four chapters a day and some people say oh dr chapman i can do way more than that you know oh you you don't know who you're talking to i i can read 10 to 15. Well, what is it for you to read 10 to 15 a day 
Right. By the time you get to the third day, you're down to one. On that Wednesday, you might be down to zero. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you may pick up and read one. So what ends up transpiring is is that there's no consistency. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing with reading four chapters a day is to have consistency and to grasp quantity and quality at the same time. And get an understanding. And get an understanding. Um, it's a book entitled by Maholan called Shaping God's Word. Mm. And in this book, it talks about how we are into information and not formation. Wow. That, that we are literally running to the Bible for the things in which we need it for. And then from there, it never allows us to engage in that Lectio Divina, that reading slower Mm -hmm. So that it saturates our spirit, and that's where the transformation of us being better, because that's what and Jesus. Becoming. Yeah, yeah. He, he actually looks at it and says that we are a word, mm -hmm. you know, from God. That as God thought about us, He brought us into being. We came to be. There you go. And yeah. not just to do, but but we have to be in order yeah. to do. Yes. Yes. And it's a, it is about formation, us being changed and transformed. And I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a yes. new creature, a new creation. Old yes. things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Mm -hmm. All things don't become new overnight. Absolutely. But it's through the transformation by consuming the word. But in all you're getting, get an understanding. If you overly consume then how much of an understanding are you actually getting? You can only transform by something that you have an understanding of or yes. an aha moment or been enlightened about. Absolutely. You have to taste it, chew it, swallow it, digest it, and then do yes. it all over again. Yes. In yes. order to really allow it to consume you, change you, transform you, get a renewing of your mind. Yes. And so uh, you said something when you first started talking. You said exegesis. And I want to ask you, because we need to know, what is exegesis and what is eisegesis? Okay, so in that um, exegesis is two-part word, ex, mm -hmm. which means out, ex. This is all these are transliteration. And then it's legiste, which actually means to draw. Mm -hmm. So whenever we engage in exegesis, we're looking in the scripture and we're drawing out of the scripture what is there. Mm -hmm. So we're not pulling... You know, it's amazing that when people are trying to give answers about the Bible, they look up <laughs> instead of looking down, mm -hmm. right? Just think about that. They're looking up, and they're not even looking at the passage that they're pulling from. Right. So what they're doing is they're trying to grasp interpretation off of memory instead of what they're reading. Mm. So it's based upon embedded theology. I like that word. I remember you said right? embedded theology. <laughs> Get into that. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and that. So you have the other a stream to that to exergesis, isergesis. Mm -hmm. Isergesis means to push in or to be able to put in. I'm putting in my own experiences, my assumptions, mm. and all of those things, and I'm downloading that on the scriptures. It is likened unto you. I don't know if you remember when you were um, in school, they used to have the doors that had the windows on them. Mm -hmm. And you can look in it, a little small slit yeah. window, right? <laughs> that had the, um, as, uh, if you saw someone in the room and they were pointing at someone, right? They would say, Doc Chapman is, you know, he must be upset about something. And it could be because you weren't in the room that you did not hear me saying that my daughter was getting on my son about something. Right. And so you looked in there and you went and told someone mm -hmm. what I did, not knowing the context. Mm. Right? Mm. So now you have a skewed interpretation over an event, narrative, right? Yes. Story, right? Because you're telling the story. Mm -hmm. And now you confuse people, right, with the wrong information because you never got into the room. That's what embedded theology does. You know, embedded means those things that are ingrained. It's, it deals with, you know, how you were raised. Mm -hmm. It deals with the way in which the churches and the denominations you were in. And it's not all bad stuff, but you have to know that that if baggage is there. 
Yeah, you got to make sure it's biblical. So with theology, you know, that's, you know, pretty much a study about God. So whenever you're looking at a word or a study about God and a word we're speaking on behalf of God, is that coming from the premise of our personal preferences? Mm. Or is it coming from the place of what God has directed, guided, as well as illumined for us to understand how he desires for it to be. A lot of things I believe in church today and even in ministries today. You can say, you know, podcasts. You can say mm-hmm. prayer lines on Facebook. You can, yeah. We can run the gambit. A, a lot of those things, unfortunately, are sometimes misguided by the lack of biblical understanding because people don't even know the biblical stories. Yeah, they just know what they heard. Even like the scripture, uh, people quote this wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Money is the root of all evil. Right. But it says the love of money. It's the emphasis on mm-hmm. where your heart is concerning that. Yes. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is also. But if you think that the Bible is saying money is the root of all evil, that'll turn somebody away from Christ. Yeah. Yeah, And they're yeah. thinking, like, how is the church, you know, and they always say the church is collecting donations and different things like that. But then the Bible says, so they think it's a contradiction, but it actually says the love. So those small things, like you said, exegesis to see what's actually there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's dependency. And I think that if you go to Matthew chapter 5 and go from chapter 5 all the way up to mm-hmm. chapter 7, there is literally where Jesus is um, showing how dependent you need to be mm. on God. That's why when you look at what we call the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. the, be- the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Why would the poor <laughs> in spirit Good example. Be the one that will get the kingdom of God. Because if you're poor in spirit, that means you're dependent upon someone who has the riches mm. in spirit. Ooh, don't get to preaching because right? I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, so in that, if you look at all of it, if you even look at the prayer, the prayer is a prayer of dependency. Mm-hmm. When you pray, say, our father. That means you can't depend on yourself mm-hmm. who art in heaven. That's what's above you. It's that which is beyond you. Mm-hmm. If you look at heaven as being up or, you know, you, you, then that's a whole another conversation because we have oh, the heavens <laughs> and then you have the heavens above that and all of that. You know, and then you talk about what Paul was saying about him going to the third heaven, mm-hmm. I believe it was, and he couldn't even tell us what he saw. Right. But all of those things are dependent and it's all common culminated on uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Mm-hmm. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you are dependent upon me, I'll add all these things unto you. Mm. So but the root of money is all e- Absolutely. People misinterpreting that. Yes. It is the love, which means that if money has my love, that means God doesn't. Mm. Right? So. Yes. That's where the issue comes is that when I believe that money is my source instead of a resource, now that's what makes it evil because now I start worshiping it, Mm -hmm. which takes you into idolatry. When people talk about idol worship, idol is not you looking at, for instance, at money and saying Mm -hmm. money is my God. That's not idol worship according to the biblical thought patterns of the script idol worship is is that i have this money and i believe there's something that is a deity outside of this money that keeps producing it Mm, perspective there's a god somewhere behind this money Mm -hmm. a source the source a super ruler and so that's why if you take for instance when they were worshiping the calf it wasn't about worshiping the calf. They were worshiping something beyond the calf that was only wrapped up in the image. Mm. Artificial. Right? Now, let me, let me give you this. It was a, um, um, a, a book by David Friedman 
I believe he uh, deals with the um, Ninth Commandment or something like that. I'm, it escapes my mind of the uh, actual title of the book. But he talks about how God made us in his image, right? Right. And God says, don't worship any images. Don't make images. Mm-hmm. But God did. God made him. <laughs> he made yes. us. So that goes back to what you said about perspective. Mm -hmm. God is saying, I made you, but you came from me. Mm -hmm. If you try to make an image and make it worshipful, now you're trying to take the place of me. And I don't want you to do that. So, so, and that now, this is a huge piece. um, That you can make the Bible into an idol God. You can Mm -hmm. make ministry. That's good right there. Into an idol God. Because God does have order. Is, isn't it God, family, and uh-huh. then ministry? Uh-huh. But when you get that out of place, then you have dysfunction and all type of toxic things going on, which oftentimes filter into the ministry. Yes. So please get into that. So, so then what I look at is, is that when you look at Jesus, Jesus cares about people. People that call themselves working for Jesus sometime, they care more about position, property, mm. and possession. And they don't care about people. Mm. The whole thing of Jesus coming down and him not, you know, uh, having riches and foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It was based upon him being indigenous to his culture, which means he blends into his culture. Mm. Most people in that day and time were not affluent when it came down to them being rich, right? Even Mary and Joseph, people like, oh, they were so rich and all. No, they were so poor that they actually had to give the least of the sacrifice mm-hmm. that Le- the Levitical law said that they can bring. Wow. Because they didn't have a lamb. Now, it's interesting how the gospel narrative sets that up mm-hmm. because they don't have a lamb, but they do. Hmm. Jesus is the lamb. So they bring, they're so poor that they can't find no room in the inn because they don't have no money. There's no room because if, if you're affluent, you can, it's you no know, room. you can buy your way there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh, it's just so much stuff that, that's there. And, and you said, um, basically you were saying people can end up doing stuff for God, but not with God. Yes. And they, they end up making preaching an idol God, teaching an idol God. And you said they can make the Bible into an idol God. Yes. Explain that. So what they end up doing is actually using the Bible as a prop to attack people mm. instead of nourishing people. Mm. So what is the motivation? And, you know, of course, of us reading ministry and, I, you know, knowing you, um, I know that you do this. You read your Bible, not for your next post. That's right. For my life. It's, right. It's a it's, difference. We, we can't survive off bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yeah. So that's your motivation. Podcast is not so that you can read the Bible so you can get ready for a podcast. It's <laughs> exactly. your life. It's my life. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so easy, right, for us to have dialogue yes. and conversation. And you look very natural in your element in it because this is what God put in your heart. Mm. See, people don't understand the hurt. Mm. It's one of the most misunderstood things in the church. People always saying, you know, uh, you know, if I didn't call your name, charge it to my head, not my heart. Mm. Right. But if we only treated people right with our heart, some people don't have the heart of ministry. The heart is connected to the mind. When you look at when you look at scripture and how scripture is actually brought up, when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And literally, he's talking about the mind. That word trouble means to stir. Whenever you stir anything, mm-hmm. you're actually going back to what you just left. The issue was is that Jesus is about to get crucified. And he's saying, why do you all keep setting it on replay that mm-hmm. I'm going to die? Told you I'm going to get back up. Right? Mm-hmm. But that's why it says, as a man and woman thinketh in, in their heart. heart. So is he. You see what I'm saying? So what do you think? You think up here. And it's connected to your mind, your will, and emotions are all connected. There you go. 
And so in that, that's where we find your motives. Mm. That's why David said, creating me, renew the right spirit within me. Because he wanted his heart to be clean because he knows that everything, all of the issues flow from the heart. Yes. The heart is the seat of the emotions. Emotion. Yes. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. if your heart, if you, mm-hmm. and he could, he knew that he had just committed a sin. Yes. And so he was like, Lord, just please don't let my heart become corrupt because he knows that everything flows from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. Whatever has yes. been piling up in your heart, that's why it says to keep guard over your heart, lest bitterness take root. Yes. Because yes. when bitterness take root, it corrupts every single thing that you produce. Absolutely. The way you think, the way you speak to people, your perspe- perception, your perspective concerning things, it's all polluted by your heart if your heart is contaminated. Yeah. And it's amazing, like even you're right on it, that uh, when David said, create me a clean heart, this word create is mm-hmm. uh, the word bara, which actually takes you back to creation. Mm. He's saying, my heart, after I've done this, is so saturated with toxicity. You need to do what you did in creation and literally bring me back from nothing. That, that's, how, that's how desperate David was. Wow. And in that, it, it, it's also saying that there's no one else that can do this. As no one else could create the world, there's no one else who could clean my heart back up. But God. But there you go. And you you said bora. What word? What, yeah, bora. What, yep. what language? Yep, that's, that? that's in Hebrew. Okay, so yeah, yeah. you have the translations and you have transliteration. Yes. So how did you figure that word out? How did you study to yeah, find yeah. that word. Yeah, so so pretty much um, we have so many helps today that we mm-hmm. did not have, you know. <laughs> um, and yesteryear, a uh, great program is Logos. Mm-hmm. Um, some people call it Lagos. Some people call it Logos. Uh, you know, it depends <laughs> on where you're from, tomato, right? Tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah. So in that, what is great is that you can um, order, you know, and they have monthly payments and like I even have a representative and you just let me know for your uh, podcast those who mm. desire uh, to pick it up, uh, awesome. I'll make sure they get a special discount uh, for that uh, because we're all about building kingdom yes. and making sure that things and connecting with people, right? And so, um, and that you are going there and like right now, I go on my phone and I can type in what they have is a exegetical guide. Mm-hmm. So in that exegetical guide, I can hover over a word or tap on that word and then boom. It brings it up. Now, what is interesting is, is it gives what is called the lexical form. Mm-hmm. It is what we call the root word. Okay. Okay. What we what want, is derived from? Yeah. There you go. So, so in that, what we want to do whenever we're looking at Hebrew, Greek, we want to know the exact word that they used in the passage. That makes the tremendous difference. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, I'll give you an example. Um, and is that the transliteration? The literal translation? Yeah, that this is this is the actual um you can see it within the transliteration, but at that point I'm looking at it in the original language. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it in Hebrew or I'm looking at it in Greek. So for instance, they have this um book that is called the Navium Testamentum Graciae, which mm-hmm. is the manuscript that the scholars use in order to create your Bible, to be able to create all these different translations that we have now, that actually came from the Navium Testamentum Gratiae, is the, um, which is for the The bishops of Nicene, when yeah. they were putting together the 66 books to yeah. include in the Bible? Yeah, so th- this, happened, this happened prior because you, you had these different manuscripts, mm-hmm. a whole lot of manuscripts that they were... Uh, having from that time period of uh, what they call papyri or papyrus, uh, which we actually get our derivative for the word paper. Okay. So they handed those manuscripts down. Uh, you remember um, we're talking about in Christian history where uh, Diocletian and Nero mm-hmm. and them attacking Christians and starting to kill Christians, they went in the caves. 
to be able to write these things down. It was by the Dead Sea. Then you had what is called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is dealing with the Hebrew writings and all of those types of things. The first, is that the Pentateuch? Yes. The so, first five books yeah, of so, the Old Testament? Yeah. So in that they had these particular things in um, Greek, the Old Testament in Greek, which mm-hmm. we had Septuagint era. Because it was to the point that in the Hebrew, they got so far away from the language mm-hmm. that they could not even read it. Wow. Yeah, they got so far away from the language that they couldn't read it. So what happened was, and the, the story goes, that God came 72 individuals with the interpretation of the Hebrew text in Greek. Mm-hmm. With that, some people say it was 72, some people say it's 70. When you look at the Septuagint, the LXX, that is a representation of 70. So that is the Old Testament written in Greek. Okay. So we took that to be able to get an understanding because some people could not read the Hebrew anymore. Because it was so skewed. Yeah, in the time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's likened unto what we're dealing with right now. If If you don't have anyone that is quoting scripture, if you don't have anyone that um, has a Bible in hand, Let's take, for instance, the Bible apps that's on your phone. Mm-hmm. How would you know that they ever were changed if you don't know the Bible? So true. They can start taking words out and don't. If we went just straight paperless, could anyone literally say that doesn't say that? I'm not talking about these regular mm-hmm. or what we call the frequently used passages. I'm talking about in Leviticus and the stuff that's people don't right. like. Re- mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So in that, that's what we are up against is that there is a gap between generations that is continuing to widen. Um, there's a uh, book called uh, by Walter Kaiser toward an exegetical theology where he talks about the crisis of exegesis, mm. that there is a gap between biblical exegesis of what we are reading Mm -hmm. and how we are interpreting it because there's a changing yes it shouldn't be yeah and there's an infiltration of this what i call this universalism Mm -hmm. everything right everything goes so the example i would give of that is in the pandemic before the pandemic you know Mm -hmm. a stop sign meant what stop stop okay now that we in the pandemic, can I just run the light? I mean, look, run that stop sign and say it's a nope. pandemic? Nope. Right. So the thing is, is that why is it that the laws of the land hmm. don't change based upon the shift of the pandemic? But all of a sudden, the way we view church has changed tremendously. Now, I'm hmm. okay with streaming. No problem. But the Bible did not say stream. Fellowship. Fellowship. Mm -hmm. We're a fellowshipping people. Right? right. And the Bible is where we, and even in the midst of where we are right now, going back to scripture interpretation. The Bible in Leviticus lays out. Now, I want people to go and, you know, read Leviticus. It lays out how you're supposed to handle disease. That's where the world is getting the way in which they handle Mm. disease. Mm -hmm. If anyone had a particular sore, the priest would have to look at it. If any sick among you, let him pray. Right. Then you had, the if it was some white hair, then the priest would actually tell you that you would have to go on quarantine for five to seven days. Wow, that's so true. Because you would be considered unclean. And what is COVID? It's a disease. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And quarantining. Quarantining, staying away from people. They got this stuff from the Bible. That's a good um, Even how the Bible talks about, I can't quote verbatim right now, but oh, yeah, no it talks about the land, like the fruit of the earth. Yes. And mm-hmm. the grains and things like that being used for healing because yeah. everything produces after its own kind. So things are supposed to have seeds. Yeah, because yeah. that shows you that it has the nutrients that it's supposed to have. 
so that our bodies can heal themselves because they were made to really heal themselves. But the things that we're putting in our bodies is not helping our bodies to be resilient against sickness, diseases, and all yeah. of these different things, or even being able to heal properly. You're, you're right. But this is, right. this is in the Bible. The, this is in the Bible, and they have used biblical principles. Mm-hmm. They've used biblical principles. And Dr. Sebi used biblical principles, yes. honestly, because yes. that's in the Bible. Yes. And so with that, if you don't read it, mm-hmm. the illiteracy rate of, of, the, of the world when it mm-hmm. comes down to the Bible is increasing. Prior to the pandemic coming in, mm-hmm. 9% of adult states read the Bible. 9%. And yeah. I think there was a statistic. It dropped. Yeah, <laughs> and which you would think it would increase because we were at home for a year having more time with family, more time to read, more yeah. time to study. I think that the uh, it was a consensus of the United States that said that most people are at like a third grade level. Yes. Collectively, yes. reading level. Yes. So when you have third grade reading level leaders reading the Bible. And the church. And in false interpretation, not being able to study properly, and then feeding that to the congregation, then you have sickness and infection. Instead of being effective, you're infecting the congregation. And yeah. they're spreading that to other people. So they can't really grow because the foundation has to be built on the pure, true, unadulterated word of God in order for it to be a solid foundation. Yeah. But since you're, it's like a third party because they're adding themselves and there their own go. thoughts based on their level of comprehension. There you, and, and it is what Dr. Terry Wardle calls that the kids have the car keys in the church. Mm-hmm. Wow. With no license to drive. The kids have It matters. I understand you've been called. I understand that you have an anointing. I understand that you have gifts that you were born with. Mm -hmm. But those gifts have to be submitted to the truth, which is the word of God, properly. Yeah. And if you don't have an understanding, find somebody. Who does. Who does. And let them lead. And that, that is the issue. Like, mm-hmm. someone comes, Johnny come lately, and now we automatically put them. No, it was, you had to go through a process. Wait on your ministry. Th- that's what the Bible says. Yes. And that's the issue I believe that we're having right now is that people are just, you know, are not tried. They're not patient. It's let me put you up so you don't leave. Absolutely, and and, and what what's happening is is that people, and that's I've said this on my um, Saturday classes that we have uh, each week. Uh, they call it the Homiletics Be- Breakfast Club. I laugh when they say that. <laughs> uh, but that's a sweet name. Yeah, 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 yeah. The <laughs> Homiletics Breakfast Club. So, and that, you know, during these time periods in which we are really trying to discern, you know, what's going on in the church. I said intellectuals are outlawed in the church. I know they try to discredit. Like um, yeah. when I started going to seminary, I would hear different things. Be careful in seminary. Your mind might get twisted up or they might mess up your theology or they might mess up your relationship with God. No, it deepens it. It strengthens it. What I already knew or the desire, the hunger and thirst that I already had, it increases because it's like, wow, I had a shallow understanding. Scripture was saying now I have a deeper understanding and I have more methods that I can use in my study process. So I'm growing. And as I'm growing, I'm becoming a better asset, a greater asset to the body of Christ. And then I'm making sure that it's not being filtered through my own mind, Uh thought process, but I'm actually exegeting the exegeting yeah, the scripture yeah, yeah, yeah. to get an understanding of what's there not adding to it there you go because skittles didn't exist back then so when he's talking about sweetness <laughs> and different things probably talking about honey <laughs> right right it's historical right, right. cultural context yes yes knowing the the history and the culture of the times what they wore yes how they talked what was considered slang there you go what 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 did he mean when he, this and that? Because we don't want to just skip past the word. Oh, I don't understand what that's saying. No, write it down. Right. And find out what it says. Do the work. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the thing is that 
um, people say, you know, oh, you got to watch this. Well, you don't watch the club, though. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you, you don't hear people say, now watch that club, nah, because, you know, and there you're not dwelling among your own kind. Now, I don't have to watch that, but I need to disseminate. And you're yeah. not watching the liquor that you consume when you buy it. Right. At the bar. You don't know what the bartender is putting in your drink. You and don't know what the what company is doing. Yeah. You don't know if they're performing a seance because they do call it spirits. You don't yeah. know if they're praying over the liquor before they yeah. even bottle it up. You don't know what's being put in the weed. Yeah. You don't That's what know. I'm saying. That's I always tell people, and this is funny, but it's, you know, <laughs> drugs are serious. If I was a drug dealer, which I would never be, right, 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 right. I would put some stuff in there that make people feel like they're flying in a rocket. Right, so right, they right. can keep coming back and being my customer. So why would you trust the drug And I, for but whatever reason. But you want to discredit. People come to the Bible already trying to discredit it. Yes. Without even trying to get an understanding of it themselves. Correct. And they right. continue to misquote Correct. Even the, I don't want to bring this up because this might no, get far-fetched, but um, I might not even say his name, but the pastor that spit on his hands and oh, put yeah. it in his, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One his member's face, face, it was his yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah. How many preachers have I seen misquote that scripture? Even a radio show, I'm not going to say the name of it, yeah, yeah. misquoted the scripture. Jesus spit in the ground, right. in the dirt, yeah. and then he made clay out of it. And then he put it on the blind man's eyes, eyes, and he yeah. could see. It was a moment of a miracle. And th and this is another thing. Uh, people use one situation and make yeah. that law for everything else. This is the way that we're supposed to heal. Yeah. This is the way that it has to happen because this one particular instance in Scripture, yeah. this yeah. is the way that it happened. But I heard so many preachers saying that Jesus spit in the man's eyes. Yeah, no, no. Like you said, he spit on the ground. The huge piece of the puzzle is, mm -hmm. and what what puzzled me is, is that Jesus took the man out of the city. Wow. There was there was no show, right? So, to 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 engage in this action, you should have took him out of the sanctuary, so you wouldn't have put that on display in the first place. Come on. Jesus did so many things behind the scenes, and then when a crowd would gather, he would flee. He would. When he you wasn't look at, looking yeah, for praise. When you look at the book of Mark, and you read Mark in the totality of it, mm -hmm. a part of the undergirding substratum of Mark is the Messiah, the secrecy of Messiah of the Messiah. So every time Jesus would do something, he would say, "Don't go tell anybody." Hmm. So in that, you have these situations and scenarios where he does this. And there's a couple of things that, unfortunately, from a, it, it is the lack of exegesis. goes right mm -hmm. back to what you were talking about. The lack of exegesis is you what you heard you did instead of what you read. Because you would have brought some dirt to the pulpit. And when people deliver a message, they're just giving you a brief summary yeah. of what that is. And you have to go to the source yeah. to get the full story. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, you look at that, you look at um, the times, the, the wisdom that Jesus had mm -hmm. during the times that he was in. Right. We're in a time that it is um, we're struggling for the lack of vaccination. We're struggling with a new variant. Um, mm -hmm. You can not have any symptoms whatsoever uh, with, you know, COVID-19 and all of that because wow. of these booster shots. So you don't even know. Until, you know, some people, and you know, they do some tracing, contact tracing, and then you're like, wow, I got COVID. I didn't even feel because you may be someone that's asymptomatic, right? Right. Now, if you take that and you take, for instance, if you're like us, like we were kids, uh -huh. you see the preacher up there and you start mimicking mm. the preacher. Imitation. Right? The imitation. How many kids left from that service and could have been in school and spit on their hand mm. and put it in the kid's face. Whew. Irresponsible. It was so irresponsible mm. on so many levels that you are the only thing people know sometime that is close to God. And having a million subscribers on you on uh not subscribers he has millions on on youtube but on instagram yeah a million followers yeah and, and but in that it just comes down to 
Um, and I don't know the totality of his ministry and, and the right. things in which he is, is he's doing. Um, but overall, to much is given. Much is required. Much is required. And, and it requires for you to read the Bible. That, that's what it requires of you. And I'll say what Spider-Man said from that. He said, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, you know, and some people say, well, you know, mm -hmm. and he apologized and that wasn't good enough for you all. Because it was not an apology. It was really damage control. Exactly. Damage control is not an apology. To protect the brand. It goes back to your heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know him. Right? You can't follow through with something like that unless in your heart you thought it was okay because it was already yeah. planned out. And he did it in 2016 or 17 before that. It yeah. just didn't go viral. Yeah. And my thing is, to I, I call it this, and I challenge preachers with this. Why are you preaching expired bread? Mm. What, what, what are we... I understand sometimes we got to go back and go grab, you know, something. God want to bring that word back afresh. I understand, right? But you, you, it, the Bible talks about discerning the times. That's a good point. You're not discern. 2016, we were not in a full-blown pandemic, pandemic mm -hmm. right? Social media was not at large like it is right now. So what happened was, is that that became a distraction to the overall word, which means it brought attention to you. And when you preach the word of God and teach the word of God, you're supposed to disappear. Mm. Charles Spurgeon is on one occasion that uh, Charles Spurgeon was um, at a revival and the first person went um, in a revival and everybody was gloating about them and saying how great they were. And they said, what do you think about Spurgeon? And they said we didn't think much of him. And they said, "Wow, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was that bad." They said, <laughs> "No, we were too busy thinking about Jesus when he preached." Mm. The point is, is that when people hear us and they, you know, hear the things that we're doing in God, they're supposed to be saying, "I didn't think much of them because I was too busy thinking about the God that they were proclaiming." I was on almost convinced. Come on. What was that, Apostle Paul? Or yeah, was it, yeah, yeah. He yeah. came before King, Agrippa. The, before King Agrippa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was basically ministering. I mean, you can't help. When something has helped you transformed and changed your life, you become a conduit. Yes. From the source of that message. And Apostle Paul was a walking book. He, he consumed himself in the scripture just like Christ. We don't put him above Christ. Yes. We're not Paulines. We're Christians. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but he was ministering when they were trying to rebuttal the word of God. He had an answer. Yes. And they said, hold on. I was almost convinced. Because when you become the message, God can illuminate that message, empower that message within you with the Holy Spirit, and then it becomes alive. Then it yes. what leaves the heart reaches the heart. Then it touches somebody. Yeah, yeah, and be totally, totally repentant. Um, Dr. Charles Gilchrist Adams, um, he has a um, section in the book, The Power in the Pulpit, mm -hmm. uh, and he speaks about every time after he would preach. He uh, was the former pastor of the Hartford Memorial Church. Uh, Dr. Christian Adams, his son, is now the pastor there. Uh, but Dr. Charles Adams would say after uh, being done or concluding his message and sitting down, he would sit there and say to the Lord, I'm sorry, I'll try better next time. Wow. No matter how it went, he could have been in the third heaven after preaching. He said he goes right back to the drawing board and says, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll try better next time. Like, th there is so much of an egotistical, maniacal, know-it-all spirit. Mm -hmm. And know is, nothing. And know nothing, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're a big fish in a, in a pond of small fish, but you're really small. But we can't tell because you're not around big fish. Mm. And, and that it causes for Nobody accountability. Nobody there to hold you accountable. That, I was yeah. just about to say that. Nobody there to yeah. hold you accountable. We all have to be held accountable to someone. Yeah. It's just like this, you know, with, with your uh, podcast and being here today and all of that. I didn't stroll in here 15 minutes late. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. And all, no, it, it, you, you said it was a certain time. Mm 
-hmm. I made sure that I had more than enough time to get here, to be able to come. Why? Because I'm coming underneath the order of your podcast. People don't Mm -hmm. know how to follow people. I don't care who, you know, it takes humility. That's a rebellious spirit. You're not even ready to be in leadership unless you know how to follow. And that's what, that's my point. So, when you know, you have these people that say, oh, I read the Bible, I read the Bible. How did you miss that the Bible is about the community and not the individual? Mm. Yeah. And how are you reading it just for leisure and not reading it to consume it, to change, to change from yeah. the inside out? Yeah. It's transformative. It really is. Yeah. It's it's certain, so many scriptures that I've read, and they pop up when certain situations arise. Like, anger rests in the belly of fools. Yeah. That scripture really changed me when I was a child. And being slow to speak in James, when he talks about being slow, yeah, slow to yeah, speak yeah. and quick to listen, these are things that I apply to my life. Yes. Somebody's yelling or somebody's upset. Okay, let me take a step back. Yes. Listen. Even if they're not listening to me, let me hear what's going on. Maybe I can hear their heart. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can see that this has less to do with me and more to do with what they're going through. Yes. Jesus was an impeccable listener. Mm -hmm. The way I know that is because he always asks questions. Mm. He, He walked up. They were all frantic about Lazarus. And he asked the question, where have you laid him? The demoniac wow. he is, cut through everything they were doing and saying and just said straight to the... Yeah, where have you laid him? He didn't say, how you feeling? No, where have you laid him? Where is he? Yeah. Demoniac comes, cutting himself, howling, you know, in the graveyards and all that. That's how you know it was a Gentile uh, nation uh, during, you know, in Mark chapter 5 is because he's in a cemetery. He would have been unclean. Mm-hmm. They also are herding swine. Jews don't herd swine. That's mm. how you know that Gadara, or what they call the Gerasenes, was actually a Gentile territory. And that's the historical cultural context, yep. understanding mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Manners and customs, historical context. Yeah, literary context. Yeah. And yeah, that's right how you that. drew that out of the scripture and said, oh, this makes sense. I think you used an analogy before um, about salt. Yes. How the um, the soldiers were paid their wages in salt, how the salt was used to heal, and the salt was used to um, bring seasoning to the things that they cook and yeah, to yeah. preserve. Yeah, yeah. And so when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. He used that analogy because that's what they were using, and it was very valuable, and it's still valuable to us. Yeah, yeah. But that was their value at that time was placed in salt. In that measure, but understanding yeah. all those different things that salt can be used for, it's like okay, it brings a great like excitement to know he considers us to be the salt of the earth. Yeah, we yeah. are very valuable. We are great assets to the body of Christ and to the world. Yep, and that and that's that is you're spot on. It just makes me think. Well, I I black this black car. You know, mm-hmm. my car is black. In the winter, I can't keep the salt off the thing. Mm. I get it washed. I keep on driving. Give it about, you know, a day or two. It looks like I haven't had a car wash because it's everywhere. So if we can temporize that of what you just said about what Jesus said, be the salt of the earth. Mm -hmm. What if our Christianity was so contagious that people like I can't get away from it? Mm. It keeps sticking to me. Every time I turn, it's there. Right? Salt is going to be what? Salt. And salt knows its job and salt knows its role. Right? Absolutely. And so those who are in other other parts of the states that don't have salt, they try to use sand. Mm. So they cannot deal with higher amounts of snow and storm. They have to totally shut down because they don't have the salt we have. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And so the point I'm trying to make is if you do just exer- like doing a illustration, that's, that's bringing going from uh, exergesis to moving into um, application and illustration. So the, the more storms you have, the more you need to saw it. Mm. 
in this time where we had a pandemic to with preserve someone you. to preserve you with all that's going on right now, we don't need another TV given to people. People are losing their minds. They're having psychotic breaks. Mm -hmm. They're going through all of these things. They're away from people, away from their family. I know some of my family that hasn't even come out of the house, won't come out the house. Yeah. Right? And, you know, everybody to each his own. But you got to look at it from this standpoint. He didn't call for it. was a season when the plague went on for us to stay, right? Yeah. Inside. But then when it's time to be able to get deliverance, it's time to come out, right? So you got mm -hmm. marriages. You right? got to come from where you are. Got to come from where you are. And you can't be the salt. How, how did it look, me saying I'm the salt of the earth and the salt in the house in the cabinet? In the container. What, never being used. What is it serving? Right? No purpose. And I think that, I, oh, that, you, that was so good what you just said. Only being used for what I need it for. Mm. And no regard for the person outside of my house. Mm. Even if your neighbor asks for some sugar or some salt, are you going to give it to them? Yeah. Or do you have it to give? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing is that when you're talking about reading scripture and you got to love, you got to love God and you have to love the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I got to love the God of the Bible. Reading the Bible as a child made me love God. Yeah. 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 Because I understood his attributes versus yeah. what I was experiencing in school or with people in the world hurting me or different things like that. Yeah. And I said, this is a good God. Yeah. And that made me want to develop a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And as yeah. I developed a relationship, it helped me. Yes. To be able to endure all of those and man all of those things and to maneuver in a way where I could still be loving or I could still be myself without yes. allowing the world to change me. Yeah, and you you were open for a heart of transformation mm -hmm. um, with God. It, it's a a book, a great book by Henry Nowen called "The Way of the Heart," mm. uh, that deals with uh, the monastic life um, of Saint Anthony and how I believe he went away and he had to get away from all of the noise of the world um, so that he may be able to get in touch with those demons that were underneath the skin. He talks mm. about how. The world is so noisy that we never get in touch with what's underneath our skin. Uh, Mother Teresa says that it is a cesspool of sin that stinks mm. underneath the skin that you can't smell. A silent killer. And until you get quiet, get to yourself. Um, one thing, you know, uh, that is amazing to me is I grew up despising reading. Mm. They didn't want to read. I didn't want to read. Like, wow. I had great grades. I read when I had to. You know, my grandmother would say, oh, hey, Ron, now we need you to get you a, get you a book. And I'm like, Grandma, it's summer. Like, I'm I'm, I'm done. <laughs> right? I'm done. I'm done on that. Right? And she's like, no, you need to get a book. Still didn't do it. Didn't do it. Right? Was in high school. I could, you know, do what I had to do. And reading, got my lesson and all that. We got our lesson. We got that done. Right? right. But overall, I wasn't a reader. When I got called to preach, that's when God was like, if you're going to be great at this, you got to read. Greatness is to do what's uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. Mm. You develop a habit, and then it changes you to where you're wired the way you're really intended to be wired in order to do what God created you to do. Because... Just because we were created a certain way doesn't mean that we don't have to develop into that great person that God you called go. you to be. Yeah. And there are things in you that you provoked by tapping into your creation role. Yeah. You provoked yeah. it by reading and pressing past your own desire and your own... It might have been procrastination or whatever it was, attention span. I whatever. Do it. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying it. to play basketball. I'm out here trying to hoop. You hear me? Exactly. So now, I was like, I am not trying to do that. That takes away time from me shooting this I ball. I want to have fun. I, 
I want to have fun. And then that ended right? up being fun. Reading and, the Bible, all the stories. Yeah. It's interesting. It consumes yeah, you if you yeah. actually get in it. Yeah. And and seeing people, when you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, right? Mm. You're supposed to literally, you live a life that is meaningless if you don't take on the menu of someone else being elevated, right? Wow. So, So with that, even me being here right now, this feeds me in order that I may be able to become even better. So by you, you're also strengthened and charged. Yes. So is that, could we say, that's like the double-edged sword, which is the word of God. It cuts you and it cuts me. Yes. The one hearing the message and the one delivering the message. Yes. And it keeps you in alignment because this, this excites me as well. I'm yeah. I'm on fire. Like, I'm going to be at home in my scriptures like... <laughs> Let me figure out what this genre yeah, is yeah, yeah, and yeah. what is the genre yeah, when yeah, according yeah, to scripture. Yeah. Why is that important? Yeah. So so the genre, you have uh, several. The uh, book uh, that you brought up um, was uh, Duvall um, has a book, Grasping God's Word, and he mm-hmm. talks about genres. Also, Elements of Biblical Exegesis, um, which is by um, Gorman, um, great book, Michael Gorman, great book as well. So genre is... What type of um, literature that we're dealing with? So we have narrative. That's mm-hmm. you know them telling the story, like Genesis. Um, some people don't know in Genesis, it is not just doesn't mean just beginning. There are several beginnings. Mm. What's amazing about Genesis mm. is that God starts over again. Birth, 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 and birth never stops. Yeah, and even in our mess ups, God starts over. Mm. Born again. So there's new Genesis that even God allows himself to go through, even though he knew it was coming. Mm. Right. So so you have that. You have um, Psalms. So that is, you know, the, the song book or what they call the hymn book of Israel, mm-hmm. um, which deals with worship. Right. And then there's uh, if you go to, I believe it's Psalms 119. There's one of my favorites. It's great. If you look above it in transliteration, you'll see the word Aleph, right? So what it is, is it's actually giving you the Hebrew alphabet throughout Psalms 119. Mm. Right? I so didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Aleph, Bey, Gimel, Dalai, Hez, Bazan, Hetek, Yov, Kav, Lamet, Milan, Zamek, Ayan, Pez, Edek, Tav. So you will wow. actually see all of the Hebrew alphabet. What they would do, Sadana, is that as they were walking, they were singing and they were rehearsing mm. the Hebrew alphabet. Like it's 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 just outstanding. That's amazing because I love Psalms one nineteen. I quote a lot yeah. of things from that. Like um, I think it's Psalms one nineteen and nine. It says, "How can a man cleanse his way except through the Word of God?" Yeah, and that's what we're talking about is being able to study the Word and allowing it to change and transform you, not to just read it for head knowledge and information. Yeah. But reading it for transformation and understanding genres, because you yeah. could be like you uh, you used the scripture analogy when we were in class one time from Luke, when it says, how easy for, is it for a rich man to get into heaven? Yeah. And <laughs> it says as easy as it is for him to fit through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So some people misinterpreted the scripture and talked about that applies to the passageway that was called mm-hmm. the eye of the needle that the camel was trying to pass through and with all the baggage it's hard to get through there right right but it actually was talking about an actual needle a, a, a actual needle and the thing is is misinterpretation that misinterpretation and it sounds deep it sounds it doesn't it <laughs> it sounds cool it, and sounds, it sounds deep and the thing is that when you engage in getting your dictionaries like anchors bible dictionary mm-hmm. Um, New Interpreters Bible Dictionary, a great one for lay people and the like, even preachers, is the Holman uh, Bible, Illustrated Bible Dictionary, especially the new updated one. It's it's beautiful. Mm. Um, When you grab those and you do research, you'll find out the place never existed. The place that they were talking about never existed. That is a big issue. Yeah. And so in that, it is what we call being clever instead of being clear. Mm. Right. Some people only go to one source. Right. And just they don't like I'm done. Shut the shut the book. Yeah. Because it makes me look good. Mm-hmm. If I sound good, 
it makes me look good, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is, no, I have to say things that literally make me look terrible. Yeah. Like you're not going to like me mm -hmm. because I have to say the things in which, you know, I have to say. You have to cry yeah. loud and spare not. Yeah. Like, for instance, I, I have, you know, this, this thing where, you know, I have some that, you know, when you ought to preach on homosexuality and all of that, I deal with it. But I said, be as quick mm -hmm. for me to deal with the abomination as if you take your brother's wife. Come on. Don't, don't, it's not going to be homosexual every Sunday. Right? Because you're not coming from a place of hatred or singling anybody's sin out. Right, right. And I think that is, that's the thing is that when it comes down to it, those things that the Bible has said is, are wrong are clear. It, you know, it, it, people talk mm -hmm. about just Solomon and Gomorrah and all of that type of stuff. Go to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. And it says not to, that a male shall not lay with a, you know, another yeah. male like they would a female. That, like, with that, I can't. And just goes back to the fruit and everything being a reflection of what right. God already created and how they've produced after their own kind. Right. Something yeah. has a seed. The seed has to be planted somewhere. Yeah. And my thing is, is that, you know, when it comes down to it, I tell people all the time, you know, I have, in the position I'm in, mm -hmm. I have interaction with everyone, all types of people. I want, I want bash you mm -hmm. as you being someone that is, you know, homosexual or those types of things. What I can do is just try to give you my understanding of the scriptures and then I'm going to speak with you concerning yours so exactly we talked about so many amazing and great things this has charged me up i'm praying for everybody that listens to this episode that they will be encouraged to study the scriptures we're not saying we know everything but dr chapman has dedicated his life like his church name is dedicated <laughs> to christ he has dedicated his life to studying the scripture and being a walking epistle and i am walking I'm following Christ, and I'm listening. I'm learning from every source that I know is valid and everybody who truly loves God and studied the scripture. So it is an honor that I had you on this episode, and I'm just praying that everybody be spiritually enriched by this episode. We will study our Bibles to show ourselves approved that we can rightly divide the word of truth. Yeah. And so thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.